When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Ladies Who London podcast. I'm Emily Dell. And I'm Alex Lacey and we're qualified London blue badge tourist guides. Each week we bring to you some of the best bits of London. We talk about our favourite people, places and events with a bit of information, a lot of laughs and a whole lot of fun. We can also be found on Instagram at Ladies Who London podcast and on our websites guideemily.com and alexlacy.com for information about all of our upcoming walking tours and virtual tours, as well as what the Blue Badge Guiding Qualification is all about. So hello, welcome back everybody. Hello. Hi, welcome back. Thanks for coming back. Yes, um, indeed. Well, welcome to, we're in November. We're in November, we're in lockdown. We are, lockdown two. How are you feeling, Alex? Lockdown the revenge. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's all right, isn't it? The weather's okay, which is, which is good. That, that makes it a bit easier. But, you know, um, I'm getting through a lot of laundry. <laughs> yes, this is true. Yeah, same. I've been doing quite a lot of housework, which is terribly boring. So I'm so pleased that we have our, <laughs> our little Zoom meeting. So we can chat about, I don't know, just anything really. Um, and last week was fun. Yeah, I really enjoyed last week. I, one of our uh, our colleagues, Katie, said that she she thought that your like, traumatic story of your mum uh, kind of <laughs> ruining your your Guy Fawkes experience was uh, was rather sweet but slightly tragic at the same I time. I know she messaged me, and <laughs> it is pretty tragic. I haven't told my mum and dad that um, you know I've put that out there on the podcast. I hope hope they'd be okay with it or maybe I know they wouldn't so I haven't told them I don't know we're gonna have to start crowdfunding with therapy aren't we yeah I think so (laughs) and I don't know about you but I've been hearing quite a few bangs outside yes yeah there was yeah there was quite a lot it's quite nice because I'm sitting in uh in my conservatory at the back of my house which sounds really posh but it's actually falling apart so it's not at all (laughs) but the great thing is is because it's um a see-through roof the other night there were fireworks going off and it was just it was my (gasps) own little private fireworks oh how romantic yeah, it's lovely, isn't yeah. it? Because obviously all the group firework displays have been cancelled, but knowing that yeah. everybody's had their little individual moments of fun in their back gardens, it's quite nice, isn't it? I know, it's rather lovely. Yeah. Anyway. So it is now time, Alex, to reveal the podcast pedestal winner. Yes, it is. And I've slightly scuppered myself because I completely forgot to put up a poll on my own personal Instagram last week. So it's only from yours and from the one uh, for the podcast pedestal, Um, which, you know, whatever. Uh, (laughs) Well, I think even if yours up, I mean, I don't know the results, so. You don't. (laughs) No. So um, I thought it was going to be very, very close last week. Well, in fact, we both thought it was going to be very close, didn't we? Yeah, I was a little bit concerned when you did say the king because I thought, God damn it, that's actually a really good answer. Um, well, let me but... tell you, it wasn't close at all. Oh, okay. What was it? It was 22 to 62 <gasps> in favour of the Monteagle letter. Oh, brilliant. So, so now you won that one. Cool. Oh, brilliant. Which I'm, I'm putting down almost entirely to the fact that I didn't do a poll on my Instagram. No, come on now, Alex. I think if you did do a poll, people would have picked the letter. I mean, it was a fantastic <laughs> choice. Because I think even if King James I didn't exist, you know, there, there would have always have been this kind of... Um, this uprising because there was so much negativity towards the Catholics. So yeah, get enough. over it. The letter one. 
So does that mean we're now equal? We are equal for now. Oh, it's such a tight, a tight fight. I love it. it. I love it. So we're on equal pegging. Three, three, is it? I think. Yeah, three, three. Great. Fabulous. All right. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to bring it back this week. I'm going to bring it back this week. We'll see. We shall see. So this week, uh, where are we off to? Well, we spanned the wheel last week and it landed on... Uh, Fleet, Street. Fleet Street, which is um, really exciting because um, I just, I sort of love that area and it's, um, it, I'm glad that we put it on as a topic rather than we're being a bit more vague in the area because I think with, when you put down the topic of Fleet Street, it makes you sort of focus in on, on that area specifically. Mm. Um, and it's my pick this week. It is. And what did you go for, Alex? Well, I went for uh, the Hidden Rivers down there, specifically the Fleet River. Yes. Um, which is uh, quite exciting so and going on this week we spanned yeah. the wheel last week and it landed on fleet street it did and I'm, i was super glad about that actually in fact i was really glad that we put fleet street as a topic on the wheel mm. because um it, it's much more specific than just an area and i think when we had fleet street um come up it, it focuses your mind on the sort of things that are in that area rather than it being very kind of generic to a larger area so i was quite um, kind of when it came up I was immediately sort of like oh that's yeah that's great and so I went for um the Fleet River and other hidden rivers in London I'm going to sort of focus predominantly on the Fleet River but um have a look at some of the other hidden or secret or lost rivers around London so that's where we're going to go today fantastic I have to say I know about the fleet not in great detail but um I'm quite intrigued to to hear about others because I don't know too much about about others in London so there's, 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 there's tons of them actually and it, if you were to say to somebody uh you know name me a river in london most people would name the thames mm -hmm. uh, some people if they were uh, from specific areas might name the lee river as well which is a fairly important uh, river um not quite so central to london just slightly out um but there are tons more and and a lot of them now are kind of buried underground um and sort of overlooked in a lot of cases i say overlooked because um a couple of years ago there was uh well no last year actually uh, there was an exhibition at the museum of london talking about the lost rivers and it sort of came off the back of a publication of a couple of books a couple of years ago um, mm. about the hidden rivers in london and it sort of it looked at a whole variety um, of rivers from uh, the river peck which gives its name to peckham uh the Wallbrook, the fleet that we're going to talk about a lot today uh the river ephra uh the tyburn the westbourne the ravensbourne me. and a whole host of other rivers London so is very wet i didn't realize <laughs> it really really is um and most of these now are well they still exist but they just don't exist uh for the most part in 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 plain view in plain mm. sight um and the reason for this is very simply that uh well, so rivers have been very important throughout many, many centuries in London. Um, of course, you know, water is life. You need water to survive and live. But it was also the fact that, that rivers were used as conduits for everyday life. Um, and if you go all the way back uh, to the Doomsday Book, which was um, something that was um, created in the... Uh, in 1086 by William the Conqueror to sort of take a bit of a reading on what was going on in in the country uh, you know what the industries were what the sort of populations and and ownership and all sorts of different stuff um, and in that book it says that in London alone there were more than 6,000 mills and freshwater fisheries on the rivers in London. Goodness me and obviously and London would have been a lot smaller back then as oh. well. Yeah, it would have been a lot tinier and the population would have been minuscule compared to what it is today. So you can sort of see how important these rivers are. And of course, rivers have been used for trade uh, for centuries. The River Thames is still used for trade. Um, and it would have been the kind of thing that, you know, people, settlements are, are built around rivers. You need fresh water uh, to live, uh, to wash, to clean, to feed your livestock. So, they're you know, they're incredibly important. Um, and... What happened is that, um, you know, in so the burying rivers started fairly early on um, because a lot of the time, and this is something that we see with pretty much most of the lost rivers in London, is the fact that they become very quickly uh, pretty filthy. They become conduits for rubbish and sewage. Um, and it's pretty grim because, of course, you, you know, if, if you're living 
uh, in and around the, 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 the rivers and around the city, you of course need something to take away all of the effluent. So waste um, from both animals and humans and all sorts of stuff. And realistically, the only way to do that short of, you know, trekking it yourself across countries to dump it in the river for the river to sweep it away. So this is what, uh, what happens. And, um, they become sort of dumping grounds for, for all this sort of thing. And the channels would flood regularly, which of course is not flooding water, it's flooding water and everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, they'd look dreadful and they'd, they'd smell even worse. So um, it's the sort of thing that from the kind of medieval age, people would start to kind of cover the rivers over a little bit um, so that, you know, put them out of sight or um, out, of, out of kind of nose range, if you like, a little bit. Mm. Um, and uh, of course when you come into the Victorian period particularly as the city is developing uh, they are wanting to clean up these channels that have sort of become sewers and they need extra space to build on so and the city is becoming more and more crowded so all of these kind of open sewers and drains uh, are you know developers are very happy to sort of cover them over to make uh, you know get more space for building and that sort of thing so this is what kind of pushes them underground a little bit um would have all of the rivers led to the river thames um most of them yes so they were most of them were tributaries to the river thames uh mm. so of course you know you then have all of this sort of dumping into the river um and up until well uh, in the 1970s the river thames was declared a dead river luckily it's, it's bounced back since then but um you know it, all of these things are kind of yeah filtering out into the river and i have to tell you which I'll tell you a bit more about later, um, there is still sewage that is pumped into the River Thames. Mm. Well, I was going to say, because we had the, the big stink in the middle of the 19th yes. century, but still, you know, sometimes when you're walking by the river, it can be a bit whiffy, can't it? <laughs> it can be. And I'll come on to the, the kind of the, the modern nature of that in a minute. But I want to sort of go back to the Fleet River and have a little look at, at that and how important it was. So, um, it's it comes down the Fleet River comes down from Hampstead uh, up on Hampstead Heath and there's two springs one on either side of, Ham, of Parliament Hill um, and they kind of uh, trickle down and in the uh, 1700s there were a couple of reservoirs that were built which are known as Hampstead and Highgate Ponds and the River Fleet actually um, that they, they would feed those ponds so that is where the water comes from okay. for those two. And then they kind of join up around Camden, these two tributaries, and then they flow under King's Cross, under where the station is today, down Farringdon Street, which is, uh, you know, if you ever go down that area, it's quite it's kind of cool because you've got, uh, if you go down Farringdon Street, um, you go down, there's a, a huge sort of um, viaduct that goes over your head, which is really beautiful, called the Holborn Viaduct, mm. which was built in the middle of the 1800s. Um, but if you were trying to get onto the Holborn Viaduct, you're merrily sort of wending your way around the streets and suddenly you realise that you're kind of like three storeys above another road at the bottom. And either road that you're on, you don't quite realise that you're either going up or down. So it shows you that that down bit is this sort of valley, this kind of gully, if you like, that the Fleet mm. River was going down. And then it comes down, it falls into the Thames on, around just below Blackfriars Bridge. So um, it's still it's still there and it still flows in. And in the Roman times, it was a major, major river. It was really huge. It was used massively uh, by the Romans. And it even had um, up at the top where it had this estuary. It was quite a large estuary, actually. Um, it had a tide mill in it as well. So wow. a mill that would work when the tide rose and fell. That's how it would work. Um, and the name, do you know where the name comes from? Have you got any idea about what it might mean? Fleet. Mm, I don't know. It kind of gives... Well, it sounds like, you know, a fleet of something, you know, there's a lot of something coming down all at once. Yeah, okay. I like that idea, which I kind of, you know, get the sense from all that water coming down. And, and I think that sort of links in quite nicely to Smithfield Market we're going to come to. But mm. it's actually an old Saxon word. Um, and the word is, well, it's spelled F-L-E-O-T. Mm. So okay. fliot, fliot, I always want to say it in a slightly Scandinavian way. Fliot, fliot, fliot. Uh, <laughs> and it very simply means an estuary or a bay or an inlet, that kind of thing. Okay. Um, but I love that that sort of image of, of fleet because it 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 sort of denotes oh, it makes you feel like it's fast, doesn't it? And then there's a yeah, like this big sort of huge amount of something coming down. Yeah. And that, because up at the where the um the tidal basin was, it was huge. It was several hundred feet wide. So there is an element of that, that kind of wow. you know, big amount of of water um and space that's coming down. The upper part of the river uh, was known as the Holborn, uh, which comes from Holburner in Saxon, which means a hollow stream. Mm-hmm. um and if you know holborn i'm sure you you know everyone knows holborn in the center of london and that takes its name from the same route as well and and the river does come past there okay. so you have this beautiful viaduct that over kind of goes over the where where the fleet um would have been and is still kind of going underneath and um 
They're up at King's Cross. It goes uh, supposedly underneath the station somewhere, um, and it goes past the church of Old St Pancras, which is pretty much sort of over the road from the station. And as you go into the church, there's this kind of rather lovely picture of all of these bathers sort of bathing in the fleet outside the church, and that's only from 1827. Wow. I was going to say, so could people, pedestrians, walk close to it but i guess if they're bathing bathing in in the water itself it's pretty open to the public it would have been yeah not not now it's now you can't see any of it but yeah back then absolutely it would have been you know kind of an open stream really which is kind wow. of cool but so my well, favorite bit about it then, yeah sorry go on alex no sorry go on you, you say what you're gonna say if they were bathing in it i mean i can't imagine that in the 19th century it would have been that bad sewage wise or maybe just it depends where they were in the river if they're up at King's yeah Cross. i think so and uh, i think you know there there would it would definitely still be stuff in there i mean you know you're sort of assuming there that people understand i mean they didn't understand about um you know the, the spreading of disease via water and that kind of thing but also a lot of the pollution is going to come from a little bit further down when we yes because it. i guess it's it's on a bit of a hill so as soon as it comes to the bottom of the hill when it's going to be you know expelled to the thames that's the bit that's going to be really nasty really really pretty fetid yeah <laughs> and actually one of the worst bits and one of my favorite bits of the story is the bit where it goes past smithfield market now i love smithfield market you you're a fan of it as well aren't you i am yes and so, again like so it's just around the corner from holborn viaduct literally sort of you just turn the corner and the market's there and they're both victorian buildings really beautiful very colorful um and it's a meat market and it still is a meat market today uh but it always used to be a living meat market so the animals would be brought in and then they'd be slaughtered on site and then the meat would be sold and that's how it used to work um and of course then because you've got the river flowing alongside it that was where everything went so it was this dumping ground for everything that is you know the kind of coming out the market which is pretty horrible really Oh, well, so would um, the butchers throw, yeah. you know, if there was cuttings that weren't very good that they couldn't sell on, they would just chuck it in the river? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, well, I did hear that the red down that way did, the, the river did run red. So yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Blood. And, and, you know, Smithfield Market is, is actually, um, Dickens talks about it being uh, a pretty filthy spot and, and saying, you know, that there was sort of, uh, the place was ankle deep in waste and you could see the, you know, the, the hot sweat, uh, hot air and sweat rising off the animals' backs. And it's, you know, it's a pretty grisly place with all sorts going on. But there is a brilliant quote uh, from Jonathan Swift, who wrote Gulliver's Travels. And he wrote a poem and he wrote about the fleet in it. Are you ready for a really lovely quote? Oh, yes, go for it. <laughs> so it says, Sweepings from butcher's stalls, dung, guts and blood, drowned puppies, stinking sprats, all drenched in mud, dead cats and turnip tops come tumbling down the flood. So there you go. <laughs> oh, dead puppies. Drowned puppies turnip and dead tops. cats. I mean, turnip tops is not the worst one, but... Oh, God. <laughs> Love that you're, you're <laughs> outraged by turnip tops. Oh, my goodness. Well, yeah, I mean, especially because what else is there? Because just up the road, you've got St Paul's Cathedral. So you would have had all sorts of parishioners heading up there, heading up the hill. And presumably, if they're coming from the west, they would have had to cross the fleet. And the smell and the stench and oh, the yeah. visual before they go to church or before they do anything around Fleet Street, because there's so much to do. I'm surprised that that went on for, I mean, how, how long was it like that for? Oh, I mean, a couple of centuries, I would assume. God, pretty, I guess they were pretty grisly. But it. don't forget, you know, I mean, that's, that's Jonathan Swift's um, 1700s. Um, but don't forget that the whole sort of sweet smelling everything is a very modern thing. Yeah, the, mm. the city would have stunk everywhere, no matter where you were. Mm. Um, just certain places would have stunk more than others um so you know and of course this area because it's it's pretty stinky and pretty horrible the area becomes quite grisly and quite um undesirable mm. uh, and there's lots of packed slums and and it's really grisly and this is where um charles dickens bases fagin's lair near here yes yeah Maffron hill and mm. you you know if you think of if you've ever seen the film oliver you sort of think back and you think oh yeah it's it's pretty grisly and you remember sort of um I think somebody falls off something and it sort of lands face down in the mud and the filth and that that's kind of what it was you know it was really dark and dirty and just everybody's clothes was dirty as well soot yeah. on people's faces yeah now I'm going to add something else into this because um do you remember a couple of weeks ago when we talked about um 
Charles McGee, the street sweeper at Ludgate Circus. Yes, I was just thinking of him because he's obviously (laughs) sweeping the streets just up the road from the fleet, isn't he? Exactly. And in fact, you know, that would have gone, so the the fleet goes out underneath Blackfriars Bridge. Mm -hmm. So he would have been at the crossing where there would have been the river very, very close by. Wow. I love sort of putting all these things together, bringing them all in. Yeah. No, so at the same time that Jonathan Swift yeah. is writing, it's the same time that Charles McGee is there as well. Yeah. And I guess, I mean, maybe he helped to, to sweep some of the dirt in the river if he was sweeping around that area. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, he's mainly concerned with the road, but goodness knows. I mean, I don't know exactly where the river would have crossed at that point because the road would have crossed over that section. So maybe the river went underneath uh, the road at that point i i don't honestly know but that's you know it's worth sort of thinking that you know these two things are kind of colliding yeah so the river is still there today but it's just under the ground yes it is and it all sort of changes um under christopher wren in 1666 so admittedly this is well the whole thing starts to, to change under him anyway. So uh, 1666, we have the Great Fire of London uh, and then St. Paul's gets rebuilt. Um, and what he decided to do is he made the lower part of the fleet into a canal. Now, um, there were all sorts of wharves along the side for cargo and this kind of thing. And it's a complete failure. Uh, there's massive amounts of pollution coming, uh, coming in, uh, mud and all sorts and all the stuff from the, from the market and all of this kind of stuff. And the mud would just be so thick that people apparently used to fall in and suffocate, not drown. Mm. It would suffocate in the mud. Mm. Yeah. So in 1732, it was covered over. So that's probably why Charles McGee wouldn't have known it uncovered. It would have been okay. sort of covered over from that point. Yeah. Um, and uh and yeah so that's the point at which it starts to become covered and then um what's quite interesting is the the metropolitan line is built in 1862 uh so this is the first section of the tube that's built and um this properly rather than just covering it over this buried the fleet uh, underneath farringdon road so before it was just sort of covered over a bit but then this is where it kind of is really pushed down um and but the river fought back because as they were building it the sewer burst mm. uh, and large sections of the tunnel that they were building for the tube uh, the the arches collapsed and flooded um the half-built line um apparently eyewitnesses were absolutely horrified at seeing all this because of course it was a sewer and everything at the time so oh, seeing that burst i mean it would be a completely different <laughs> A different thing from our first episode with the beer flood, wouldn't it, Alex? I know, right? All that sewage. You would definitely <laughs> run going like with the, going away with the beer, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just get my um, pint. So that's the that's the lower section. So of course that's the part that's really in the in the middle of the of the busy city. But of course you've got the upper section as well that's coming down from Hampstead and is much more in the sort of you know the open and the countryside if you like. Um, and so Hampstead was expanded in the 1870s, and that's at the point that they covered over the north bit of the Fleet River. Um, and essentially made it into an underground sewer. Um, the river was kind of siphoned off into pipes, and that what happens with a lot of the, these lost rivers is they siphon off into pipes, and occasionally they will break and cause kind of problems in certain areas. Mm. There's a, a great story of someone who said that he was working in the basement of um, a building, and they'd put loads of sort of treasures in there, like kind of paintings and artworks and stuff, and the, um, the river used to flow alongside it, uh, and it burst and then started flooding this basement of this building he had to get all the kind of the treasures out of the basement because it was this sort of sewage water basically oh, coming into the God. basement uh, below um now the the fleet is was due to have a um a bit of a sort of renaissance or, or not really a renaissance but i suppose a uh, a reminder we were supposed to be given a reminder because one of our tube lines was supposed to be called the fleet line do you want to have a guess which one it might have been so maybe maybe the district line Okay, why would you say district line? Just because it's close by, because you've got Blackfriars running along that area. Yeah, it's very, very close. If it's coming from King's Cross, actually, maybe maybe the Northern Line? It's the Jubilee Line. Oh, is it the Jubilee Line? Yeah, which is a bit weird because it doesn't really pass that close to... No, it doesn't, because Jubilee is... Yeah, But it was the most, it was one of the newer ones that they could have called it the fleet but they decided to go a jubilee line instead but there we go we could have been traveling on the fleet line on the fleet line and is there anywhere like you know if you if you're walking down fleet street or in that area can you hear the water is there any kind of signs that the river used to be there yeah there is one tiny little bit that you it's said that you can hear the 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 river um as somewhere along farringdon street Um, i've never managed to do that but 
there are some places that you can see or hear or experience some of the other rivers. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about a couple of others and then I'll come on to um, kind of where you can see them and how you can get to them. So um, one of the other really, really important rivers was the Tyburn. Um, and the Tyburn, like most of these rivers, was completely absorbed into the sewer system uh, mm. again. But um, there are a couple of places that you can you can see it. Now, um, the Tyburn River is quite interesting because it used to be known for some of the best salmon fishing. And Ooh. it provided loads of uh, water for cooking to the financial uh, the financial centre that it was going through. It sort of it runs through Bond Street um, and actually flows under some of the most expensive real estate in the world, including Buckingham Palace. Oh, um, which I think really? is kind of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I wonder if any of their water comes up from the Tyburn River then. No, because it's a sewer. <laughs> now it's a complete sewer. Wow. It's com- yeah, yeah, completely part of the sewer system. So no, there would be nothing that would uh, that would come up from there. But originally, you know, that would be the area that the Tyburn would have would have um, gone through. And of course, Hyde Park Corner, mm-hmm. which is where um, the Tyburn Tree, which was one of the um, execution spots, uh, took its name from. Um, but one of the things because it was so well known for salmon fishing there was um, a society that was set up with a royal decree which is called the tyburn angling society oh and it's got quite some quite big names in it it's got people like ken livingstone who used to be the mayor of london oh, uh, and nicholas soames as well who's an mp he's um winston churchill's grandson um and they argue that the tyburn is still theirs they're still allowed to fish there because this royal decree never expired so they still have the right to fish in it. And realistically, the Angling Society tends to be more of a kind of supper club, but they still get together every single year uh, to listen to a report. And the report every year basically tries to make sure that fish stocks have remained stable. And every year it is proved that the fish stocks have remained absolutely stable at zero. What? This is <laughs> No change at all. Yeah, never, never going to change. It's a sewer now. Wow. Um, okay. <laughs> but um, when people used to be able to fish for salmon, yeah, um, did people back then need a license, or were you know if you had a rod, off you go? I wouldn't have thought so way back in the day, um, but potentially after after a time, yeah, there would have been the thing of you know, uh, oh, this is now for the, the upper echelons as the area develops and becomes sort of posher. Yeah, mm. I would imagine that's exactly how it went. But back in the day, you know, um, all bets are off. You just they're rivers. You 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 know they've got fish in them. You you feed yourself with the fish from there. Um, there, there was a, a, a thing set up a couple of years ago in 2009 to try and sort of reclaim some of these lost rivers. Uh, and they were aiming to claim about 15 kilometers or so of it. And it was gonna, it was gonna take about half a million pounds per kilometer to kind of reclaim this. And, and some of this has happened. There have been some little bits of some of the um, smaller lost rivers that have been reclaimed and sort of, um, you know, made more accessible. Um, mm. But, apparently there is 600 kilometers of rivers in total in london um and 70 percent of them are covered over concreted or modified in some way so that's a huge amount of of underground rivers is there you know kind of um, a blueprint that you can find somewhere or some kind of um i don't know diagram of london to see the, the the different underground rivers yeah there are there's a couple of um great little maps that have been produced um so in particular, there is one by a lady called Olivia Whitworth, uh, who's an illustrator, really beautiful map. I recommend you have a look at it, which shows you, she's done this gorgeous map of um, a variety of different places uh, where you can find all the rivers and where the tributaries were and where they sort of ran through um, and some of the big kind of, uh, the big points of interest along the different routes so you can see a lot of them there but of course those are only some of the biggest ones there will be lots of kind of little tributaries and little ditches and things as well that will uh will come off those so it's an awful lot of 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 you know space that is is dedicated to rivers and of course that 600 kilometers does include the river thames as well but all of these little rivers and little tributaries too but i recommend um uh yeah yeah i'm alex has just got it up now and i'm looking at it and you you guys should definitely definitely check it out it almost looks like london is just covered in lots of blue veins yeah it's lovely um, isn't it because it shows you sort of where that they go through the you know the center of the kind of places that, that that we know daily and you just don't know that all those all these secret little rivers going on underneath your feet yeah so cool wow beautiful yeah. little images yeah so another little river um is called the westbourne 
Mm-hmm. Um, and the river was originally called Kilburn, uh, which is an area of London, and it comes from uh, a phrase, well, I think it's pronounced Cyborn, C-Y-E, born, and which basically means a royal stream. Um, and again, it's like uh, the um, fleet, it starts in Hampstead in the north of London, and then flows through the areas like Kilburn, Bayswater, High Park, and then Chelsea. And then that sort of ends up uh, flowing into the River Thames um, around Chelsea Bridge. Mm. Um, but this is the one that was dammed in the the 1730s uh, in Hyde Park because we have a lake in Hyde Park called the Serpentine mm-hmm. and King George II's wife Queen Caroline uh, she ordered that the the Westbourne be dammed in order to make this sort of this little lake inside Hyde Park which is uh, I think rather lovely so the, originally the lake was um, that, that came from the Westbourne River but the river of course like all of them became you know very polluted and became a sort of a, a sewer really so in 1834 it was deemed that that was the pollution was far too much and so Thames water was used instead hmm. uh, so the Westbourne they sort of um, you know siphoned that off um, and again uh, the areas that surround the Westbourne are places like Paddington, Chelsea, Belgravia and all of these areas uh, developed in the 19th century meaning that again loads more people loads more uh in the way of buildings and then the rivers are then sort of pushed underground again and then mm-hmm. they're, they're directed into pipes uh as well so well, you know i heard a theme um, that goes on here yeah i heard that if you go to sloan street station which is very close to chelsea and you're standing on the platform waiting for your train just above you you have pipes with an old river running through yeah. And uh, there used to be a bar on the platform. It's no longer there. I mean, this was a time when you could buy gin and tonics before getting on the train. Um, <laughs> oh, that kind of bar. Brilliant. Yeah and, yeah. and the bar was known as the drunk under the river because the river would run through this big pipe. And I wonder if that was part of the Westbourne or is part. That is exactly part of the Westbourne. So the bar ah. might be gone, but the river is still there. Yeah. So if you're on Sloan Square uh, tube station, um, it's kind of, it's, it's a slightly unusual station in that it's quite central, but it's open air. So there's a, a well, not the entirety, but a good chunk of the platform you can you can see out um and so because of that you've got this sort of green what looks like a kind of metal um it doesn't look like a pipe it looks almost like um a sort of um a structural enhancement or something but Mm. that is the the pipe essentially through which the river river the through which the (laughs) river westbourne (laughs) i'm just trip over my words uh that is through where (laughs) that is where that is where the river runs wow that is pretty cool um and you can actually hear it if you know between trains when it's quiet you can hear the water uh moving in that one and amazingly um because of course you know um bombing during the second world war and what has it sloan square was bombed in uh, 1940 in world war ii uh but the pipe amazingly escaped damage so that is the original one from the 19th century when it was rooted Wow, gosh, that's lucky. I was going to say, because yeah. there must have been, you know, knowing that there's all these underground rivers during World War II and all the bombs started dropping, there must have been all sorts of different, um, you know, explosions where the water suddenly came rising up. Um, well, I mean, I think you've had that from from anywhere, really, from sort of water mains and sewers and all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, um and I think a lot of these rivers, you know, they're, they're, they're fairly minimal now. Uh, they're a lot less. They don't have these big estuaries and all that sort of thing. So the, the, the rush of the river is a lot less. Um, but one of the things, so I, I mentioned that they were sewers, uh, a kind of a slightly sort of de facto sewer by the fact that everybody dumped stuff in them. But um, in the middle of the 1800s, and you already mentioned the Great Stink, which is where the River Thames was so fetid that the government couldn't even sit. It was, it was really, really grisly. Mm-hmm. Um, they gave the job of creating a proper sort of sewerage system to a man called Joseph Bazalgette. And he designed 82 miles of brick sewers. And basically he kind of decided to use London's natural drainage system, which is all these sort of lost rivers, uh, including the Fleet and the Tyburn, which had been built over already, um, to flow into the new sewers and then on to sort of balancing tanks in East London. Um, so he actively, rather than them being sort of de facto sewers, he kind of made them into actual sewers as part of his system. He kind of decided to use them in his method of, of basically cleaning up London. That was kind of his plan. Such a hero for London, Basiljet, isn't he? I think yeah. we should do one series just on him because he's <laughs> I think we should. Uh, absolute genius. He is. 
who is and what's really interesting so now this is where it gets a little bit grisly i mentioned earlier about um the fact that sewage does still flow into the river thames and um the when he built this system the aim was that during kind of severe storms and, and heavy rainfall the system was designed to overflow into the river thames um so all of these little rivers that are being used as the sewage systems rather than backing up into people's homes they would back up and overflow into the thames now in basil jet's time this would happen once or twice a year and it was very much a kind of last chance opportunity you know rather than everything flooding we that's that's the kind of the you know if it does happen this is what will happen but now because of course climate change increased populations all that sort of thing this happens on average actually do you want to guess how regularly it happens in london a couple of times a year on average it's about once a week once a week <laughs> yes god so all of that is still happening and all of it you know when Basiljet set his system up the aim was that it would kind of pump everything over to east london and then these sewage um stations would then you know pump all the waste away um, yeah. but what happened with the system is essentially what they did is they pumped the waste up and then into the river thames but just a few kilometers uh down from london so london didn't have to worry about it that was what happened so it was still getting put into the river and so hopefully this new super sewer uh, that doesn't happen now i should say uh there are st there are still points where that will happen but majority of it doesn't okay. um, but now um the big new super sewer that's being built is going to do away with all of that kind of backing up into the little rivers and stuff that's the plan anyway well because you do see along the thames now that they are working on it a lot you've got lots yeah. of these kind of um uh, I don't know, kind of like these engineering platforms which have been set up for the super sewer. Yeah, these they're um, kind of creating coffer dams where they sort of mm. they dam out the river and then they've got a space to work in. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of work going on on that. Oh god, <laughs> doesn't matter. Thinking about it, does it? Yeah, because down in Rotherhive, there's um, it's almost like a little beach. You know, it's a little sandy area, and when the tide is low, lots of people um will paddle in the thames and yeah that, mm. put their feet in there and things i'm like get out get out yeah well during the last lockdown i remember going along in greenwich no i wasn't in greenwich i lie it was in the summer um and i was uh somewhere near um it was on the south bank i was somewhere around um gabriel's wharf and there was a lady and her son and they were sitting in the river sort of sitting in in the tide like in the kind of the water oh. and, um, and i was like no no don't do no. that, don't do that. <laughs> the river is cleaner but it's not it's, it's not, not. <laughs> no it's not Ooh. oh okay well hopefully you know the next five years or something it will be super clean yes absolutely so you were saying um that there are a few places where you could see the rivers or hear the rivers yeah so there's um it, there's not a huge amount to be able to see because so much is underground, but there are a few places where you can see them or hear them or, or kind of track them, if you like. Mm -hmm. So I've mentioned Sloan Square Tube Station already. Um, there is also, you can go up to the sources because the sources still exist because they are still feeding these rivers. Mm. So you can go up to places like uh, Hampstead and you can see the sources of all of these um, different rivers, which is kind of lovely. Um, there was a place in, um, it was part of the Fleet River, um, and whether or not it still exists, I don't know. But I was reading an account of a lady who used to go to a school called City Girls School. And it used to have, it's now moved, it's now over in the Barbican, but it had a campus uh, very close to Smithfield Market in that kind of area. And she said one day, uh, a teacher took her and a couple of the other girls uh, through the gym, down a little corridor and opened up a door. And behind the door was loads of rushing water. Mm. and the, the teacher said to them this is the river fleet behind this door she said she wow. doesn't know if it's still there because the school moved but there was you know there are places that you can supposedly see these little bits of the river you know which would be amazing mm. to kind of find really out where they are isn't it? you've just yeah. got this like a, this this energy that you can't yeah. see um yeah it's this kind of underground life of london i love it i yeah. love it but one of the good places to, or good ways to track uh, the rivers are through names as well um mm. because there's all sorts of places in london that, that take their name from the different rivers so anything that ends in kind of brook or mm. bourne or ditch or bridge so for example shoreditch is a classic one mm. uh, but another one is um, knightsbridge and this was a crossing that was over the westbourne river and it was called the knights bridge uh, and this name goes back we believe possibly as far as the 11th century so almost a thousand years now the mm. bridge is no longer there 
there, the river's no longer there, but the district itself is called Knights Bridge. So that's where the bridge uh, would have been crossing the Westbourne River. And there are kind of routes, what I love as well is, one of the best things about London is these little sort of secret alleyways and wiggly streets. And if you look at some of the routes of roads, particularly through um, Marylebone and Mayfair, there's a couple of streets, Marylebone Lane and Bruton Lane in particular, are really, really wiggly. And if when you have a look at them on the map, you'll suddenly notice how wiggly they are. And you'll kind of think, how did I ever, never notice that before? But they follow the route of the Tyburn River. So you can mm-hmm. see exactly where the Tyburn went. Um, and there are also things like, you know, the kind of the topography of the land, um, slopes and little kind of gullies. Um, Green Park's quite a good one because there's um, a big slope on Green Park, which um, you don't really think about, but it, it kind of slopes down to this one section, which, um, you know, is quite a sort of tight ditch almost. Uh, and that was a slope which is part of the Tyburn because, of course, all these rivers run at the bottom of little slopes and gullies. Um, so... Yeah, you can kind of find, or sort of by looking at the land and the roads, you can kind of see where these places were. Mm. Um, and, and there are a couple of places where you can still see the rivers uh, kicking out into okay. the Thames. One of them is um, Lambeth Bridge. If you look uh, towards the north bank, uh, you can see a storm drain, and that is that links up to the Tiber. So again, that's sort of the the, the the storm drain that I mentioned about this kind of you know backflow and all that kind of thing. But that leads to the Tiber River, uh, and also out under Blackfriars Bridge, you can see where the it was very hard to see, but you, you know if you're in the right place, you can see uh, the fleet kicking out under the bridge as well. Well, would you have to be on a boat going past? Can you get down? Uh, you probably that? would have to be, yeah, you have to be pretty clever to, to get to it. Mm. Um, but I still think the best one is is the one in Sloan Square tube station. Yes, yes. Wow, <laughs> fabulous. So there we go. That's a little bit. And you can see there's so, so much on um, Hidden Rivers. And, you know, there's, there's things that are found from all the time. There's mudlarks who you know, go through the river trying to find all kinds of uh, treasures and this, that and the other. And, and a lot of them come out from these rivers, which sort of come through areas where people would have either dropped things by mistake or dumped stuff. They might have um, either dumped things or possibly even, you know, rivers are somewhere that, uh, because they're kind of often crossing places or very important strategic places, have some kind of spiritual energy for people. And, you know, even going back to prehistoric times, you see people really having a sort of connection with water and that that sort of life-giving properties of water. Mm. And so it may be that some people kind of dr- dropped certain things. You find like bent pins and things like that, which are, would have been bent for curses or for blessings or for, you know, offerings. Um, and sometimes there are certain spots where loads and loads of treasures rock up uh, on the shores of the river, which the mudlarks think are possibly from sort of either dumps or specific places where people would put stuff. And then the river gradually is sort of getting at them and, and you know, releasing them down to the river to be found. Mm. Um, and you said at the beginning that there was uh, an exhibition at the Museum of London all about hidden rivers. If you go there, when obviously it's open, um, do they still have a few things on display? That... The exhibition is finished, but yes, they do have some things on display. And I actually think it's the Museum of London in Docklands. So it's, I think it's that one um, that had the exhibition. So, but there are still bits and pieces um, that you can kind of see about it. There's a variety of different uh, books on hidden rivers and lost rivers, and you can kind of take your pick really. But um, yeah, there's, there's loads and loads of reading material and it, it's fascinating so I've, I've just sort of skimmed the top really of this really interesting uh, topic um but hopefully that gives you a little bit of an idea of the kind of exciting things that under your feet yeah perfect well we certainly dived in didn't we yeah we did feet first <laughs> <laughs> yeah really interested i love the idea of the fleet at the time when you know people working in smithfield market were chucking in all sorts of waste it's somewhere that really fascinates me actually i love that area it's so historic um and i i yeah i love that area it's probably one of my favorite areas of london smithfield market Mm, you can imagine the hustle and bustle especially you know during the time that charles dickens is roaming around and there's probably people that are selling flowers and lavender just try and get rid of the awful skin wouldn't have done much good i don't think <laughs> no no but that was brilliant alex really really interesting cool yeah, yeah. fabulous <laughs> podcast pedestal all right well uh we have to pick our podcast pedestal oh, toppers God. don't we oh it's a hard one this week um <laughs> it is because we haven't really got any sort of a very specific people or events to kind of no in terms of the the crux of the story um i'm just gonna i think it's gonna be something that just 
jumped out at me. What jumped out at you? I think it's got to be... Now, I don't really want to put a pole up and put dead puppies. I think that's a bit much. (laughs) Um, Yeah, maybe let's not do that. (laughs) (laughs) I think I might... Oh, um, do you know what you're going to go for? Yeah, I think you're going to go for Bazalgette. Oh, damn you. <laughs> That's a really good one. Um, <laughs> so um, I think because the way that you described the fleet and after hearing that poem, I think it's got to be the Red River. Oh. You yeah. like some grizzly stuff, don't you? I do. I think it's just the such a god. You know, of like the meat and the bones and the the colour that that would have that would have you know been in the water. I just yeah, I'm going to go for Red River. <laughs> you love a bit of grizzle. Ah, oh, fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to go um, with Joseph Bazalgette because he's a legend he is a legend he's a legend i mean i myself said he was a legend he's a legend but i think it's funny because like so he's a legend with cleaning up london's uh, well cleaning up london really you know creating the sewage system and everything but in terms of the rivers he's kind of a bit of like if you're looking at it from the rivers point of view he's a bit of a bad guy because he's really condemning them to being sewer you know sewer systems and that's their future he's sort of saying you know you've had your time, you're now going to be part of my system, meaning that now they are all sewers. So, you know, like, you know, I love Vazaljet, but in a way, he's... That's true, actually. You know, you think about those... That At speaking as a river, you know, he's a bad guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because there's no more bathing. No more bathing anymore. No. 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 Okay, damn you. That's a really good one. <laughs> but, you know, Red River. Those are Vazaljet, mate. Scary, isn't it? The thought. Red River. You can imagine the smell, the kind of things that was floating by. But yeah, good luck this week. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> I think I might need it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please, please vote for uh, dead cats and, and drowned puppies. Yeah, wonderful. Turnip tops and all the like. <laughs> Thanks, Alex. Uh-huh. Right, well, before we get to uh, the Wheel of Destiny, we need yes. to have a little um, chat about what we're up to. So you have some fun things coming along. Uh, your sketching tour on Monday was so much fun. I really enjoyed it. You had a really oh, good crowd for that, didn't you? Yeah, 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 it was good. And I've got another one, actually, if um, anybody is sad that they missed it. and they want I might come it. back and do it again. I really enjoyed it. Oh, thank you. So my next one for my Sketch History Trout Square will be Monday the 23rd of November and that is a virtual tour and that will be at 7pm and you can book it's that. It's really great because you get to be creative with it so Emily's giving you a little bit of a toot around some of the areas that you think you know but she knows a bit you know some of the exciting little bits and then you get to stop and you get to draw in my case quite badly uh, the different bits that you're looking at. I love it because it was sort of a chance to be a bit creative as well. It's really nice. Oh, I loved it. Big love babe. Big love. um so yes so that is on the 23rd um but the week before that monday the 16th i have another street art virtual tour which is also at 7 p.m um you can book these on either guideemily.com or the londontourgroup.com and how much are they and they are 10 pounds each perfect um, well, I have started back with my Global T-Rex, which started yeah. this Monday, uh, which is live on Instagram Monday to Friday at three o'clock. Um, and as this podcast goes out, today's uh, episode is on the Unknown Warrior, because of course today is the 11th of November, which is the um, Remembrance Day. And so I thought we'd talk, because this is the 100th anniversary of uh, the Unknown Warrior uh, being buried in Westminster Abbey. So I thought we'd talk about that. Mm-hmm. But starting on Sunday, I have a new series of virtual tours coming. I, it was, I wasn't going to do any in November, but I've had loads of people say, oh, now we're in lockdown. Can you do some virtual tours? So yes, I'm doing a virtual tour series of four tours. Um, as we're recording this, I haven't quite decided what order they're going to be in. Edit. Yes, I have now. 
So the tours are on the 15th of November, Blood, Guts and Rebels in Smithfield and Clerkenwell. On the 22nd of November, Under London. So it's all the kind of the stuff, the history that's under your feet. The 29th of November uh, is Secrets of the Silver Screen. And it's all the kind of secrets behind uh, London's biggest movies that have been filmed here. And the last one is River Rambles. And it's basically, we look at the River Thames, the history of the Thames, and we sort of trace London's history through all the little clues and secret bits uh, that uh, the River Thames is there to tell us about. If you book all four, you don't have to watch live. You can watch later via the Facebook group, which is a private Facebook group. Um, and you get all four tours for £30. That's oh, about 50 per tour. Bargain. What a steal. What a steal. Um, <laughs> and if you want to book them individually, you can. They're then £10 uh, per tour. But you don't get to watch them back if you book individually. It's just if you book the series. So come along. It's starting this Sunday evening. Um, and you can go to uh, alexlacey.com for more information. Oh, it's exciting. Yeah. The Wheel of Destiny. So, are we wheel ready? We are wheelie ready. <laughs> oh dear, that was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm ready. Um, All right, so it's your pick next week, isn't it? It is, yes. And I've been trying to think, you know, where, where would I like to go? Um, and You still haven't done your parks yet, have you? You haven't had any park stuff? I haven't, no. I haven't done my parks um you and i both really want to go to greenwich so fingers crossed yeah. for that as well well that'll be a fight to see who gets greenwich then <laughs> yeah i know that's true um but i'm ready i'm ready okay, ready yeah fabulous right um here we go Okay, so it's landed somewhere where it hasn't landed before. Okay. It has landed in Mayfair. Oh, yay. That's, That's a exciting. Good one, right? That is actually that a, really is a good, good one. one. Um, God, blimey. So Mayfair is obviously very well known for um, places to shop. It's where the Queen was born. Yeah. Um, you have connections to people like Norman Hartnell, who mm. used to dress the Queen. Lots uh, of fashion in there. Lots of fashion. Um, Little America. Yeah. Some good churches and things yeah. like that as well. And just the history of it. I think actually, going back to the start of Mayfair, yeah. I think I'm. I'd like to talk about how it began and the actual fair. Okay. Yeah, the fifteen-day fair. Yeah, in May. The May Fair, which is where it takes its name from. The May Fair, which is where we Oh, yeah, fabulous. Yeah? Yeah, brilliant. I'm in. Excellent. So, yes, the history of Mayfair, basically. (laughs) Fantastic. Oh, yeah, that's wonderfully broad. I love it. I'm down with it. Nice. Good. that sounds exciting so there we go that is it for this week um so we'll put our i'll try and remember to put a poll up this week um <laughs> on my instagram but please come and vote on who you think should top the podcast pedestal and we will see you next week for some lovely mayfair stuff yeah excellent thanks so much so, for listening guys that's all right and again a massive thank you to Susie riddell for doing our voice jingles and to uh, ben morales frost for doing our lovely music jingles and please please go and like subscribe and rate us on whichever uh, platform you listen to us on it really helps us to to find uh, new people to come and listen um, and tell people about it as well if you're enjoying it please tell your friends uh, your colleagues anybody who'll listen get them to come along and join us absolutely we'll see you next week All right, take care, guys. Bye. Bye.